Okay, great. Hello, everybody. Uh, we are some nobodies. I'm Zach. This is Dylan over here on this side today. Uh, and yeah, like I said, we're some nobodies. We are a content creating, uh, weird media making group that uh, likes to make each other giggle and uh, whatever, just do some stuff. You might know us from a bunch of weird podcasts. You might know us from a show, Talking Upstream. You might have seen me uh, on some other podcasts like Jeff Dwoskin's show on Wednesdays uh, or whatever. But this is Twitching Upstream. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right, Zach. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yes. Good. Good. I feel very lit. Am I? Am I? Am I too lit here? AFM. <laughs> all right. Cool. Let me turn down. Let me turn on the world a little bit. Uh, okay. So, uh, what this show is is this is another show where Dylan and I uh, content create, make up some bunch of weird stuff based on some text messages that I send him throughout the week, and uh, he refuses to respond to them until we have a live show here and and then i get to call him out for random stuff so before we get into any of the content creating or the weird story building stuff uh i do have a bunch of cool uh what i find cool pop culture media things the news that nobody else will talk to me about so uh if you're watching this anywhere feel free to comment and let me know your views on whatever we're talking about uh obviously i'm a fan of marvel dc star wars etc etc <clears throat> just any, any really any any media i watch it all but in marvel news uh loki trailer a new loki trailer just came out did you happen to catch that I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think? Yeah. Uh, if I mean, I'm all for like weird, crazy time travel hopping stuff like that. If you throw in Tom Tom Hiddleston, uh, yeah, all the better. Hello, Jason. You're well, never going to escape this now, Zach. Don't worry. We'll get to iCar later. I got a I got a bit later on. Uh, yeah. But Loki. So, it, do you think this is a way to retcon certain things in the MCU to make future stories make sense? It's. Are you, are you referring to the fact that this is a different Loki than the movies? That this is a different timeline of a Loki that can go through time to stop other time battles. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, last, the last series I watched with time travel was 12 Monkeys, mm -hmm. uh, which is a fantastic piece of sci-fi. Just cor It's corny, but I liked it. Yeah. Um, hey, all right. Uh, <laughs> and then uh before that i watched um the umbrella academy which deals with time travel which i thought was yep. pretty you know pretty well done it's a little goofy i don't just i don't expect marvel is going to get too deep into the um mechanics of time travel and stuff like that but yeah. i'm curious i'm curious yeah 
Uh, did you happen to see a very uh, should be familiar face in the new trailer? Uh, Miss Wanmi Musaka from Lovecraft Country made an appearance in the trailer, so she's apparently going to be a pretty big deal. Mm. That's that's Sister Ruby. If you if you didn't watch Lovecraft Country, uh, yeah. she's amazing, great actor, uh, great voice. But yeah, she also popped up in the trailer, so I'm really excited about this. I like yeah. what Marvel's doing with the shows because it does have an MCU quality. It does have a really good feel to them, uh, even though they are oddly paced from time to time yeah they're a little weird and obviously like that transition to trying to make this from movie to tv is going to be a little little weird uh i really hope it doesn't end with a big dumb cgi battle like spoilers wandavision Nah, I don't think so. I, hope I don't not. think so. Yeah, I hope not. Uh, in DC news, if you happen to see, they've released that uh, Matt Reeves' Batman is in the DCEU, but on Earth 2. Which How one's you- Earth 2? Earth 2 is, uh, so in the CW, Earth 2 is the one that has um, Superwoman on it, Supergirl on it. Uh, okay. It is like the other one, you know. So they're they're sticking with the normal DCU, which means the Snyderverse is not completely done. But the new Batman is a different Earth completely, which means different rules apply. Do you think that matters at all? No, but I'm probably yeah. wrong. Yeah, you probably. I'm are. probably wrong. I'm generally wrong about this sort of thing. Like, yeah. More, like regu- with regularity, I am wrong about this sort of thing, and I'm sure yeah. they're going to bring it. I, they're probably going to bring it in at some point in the future. I I don't care until it happens. Yeah, Theor- cool. WandaVision burned me out on theorizing about superhero stuff. Completely honestly. Yeah, that. But it, it was actually their <laughs> fault, though. I think they did. They did a, a a pretty bad job of making people not theorize how that was going to go. So I, I don't know, but whatever uh star wars news kenobi there was some leaks of uh scene settings and everything i'm not going to give anything away in case people don't like that uh but what reminded me of that casting list yeah honestly flat yeah, flash they're gonna flashpoint. do flashpoint at some point uh, of yeah course. yeah 100 flashpoint's gonna go in there and it's gonna mess around some stuff and i guess because even the cw flash showed up or with the uh, snyder's flash so didn't they're, they're yeah ezra miller showed up in uh in the yeah. Flash TV shows, Flashpoint or Crisis or whatever. Yeah, so they're yeah. they're definitely gonna whip whatever. around with a bunch of ideas. Um, but yeah, the Kenobi show, uh, the the Disney Plus Star Wars show Kenobi that centers around Ewan McGregor's character, and I sent you a copy of the casting list. What did you think about that? I mean, you got some really cool people. Obviously, Hayden Christensen is back. Which no, you watch. Chris- He's gonna be a completely different character. He's not gonna be Darth Vader. You watch. Okay, do you okay? Obviously, that's ridiculous. Uh, they recast Anakin? No way. So, <laughs> are they gonna are they gonna do a Tony Stark style HUD screen where you can see Hayden like kind of burnt in there, or is it going to be kind of a visionary scene where uh, Hayden sees him or uh, Vader sees himself as you know Anakin? I think it's gonna be similar. I think we're gonna get a flashback with Hayden Christensen. Yeah, and if they show Vader outside of a suit. I'm not really interested because at that point he is the suit. Like in this point in the timeline, presumably he is the suit. This meshes up with when he's hunting down all the rogue Jedi or whatever they have him doing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it's really well and diverse cast, which I'm great about. Uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. is in this, uh, which, you know, is Ice Cube's son. Uh, you have Sung Kang, who is Han in the Fast and Furious uh, universe. But I think the one that stood out to me the most, the most was uh, Kamal. Uh, uh, Kamal. Nanja- yeah, Nanjamani, yeah. uh, which obviously he's going to be in an internal movie. So he is in a Disney pocket. But I, I am so excited to see comedians that are now doing action movies like even that nobody uh movie that just came out with um odenkirk in it where you have uh you know a serious movie being done by comedians i think it puts a really cool take on things did was he not in the mandalorian was i imagining that he was not you has he been in star wars yet at all come out yeah no no nope I don't no, know he's, what I thought he was in. No, I, I love Kumail. He's an amazing actor. And That's obviously great. his body his body transition shows that he's taken at least some roles or something very seriously. And I'm so happy he's in this. I'm just very curious where they're going with this show. Because we know that you're going to see a young Luke Skywalker. So you know there's going to be some really weird things that are going on. Uh, I'm just, I, I'm very, very excited. Uh, I'm, really- I'm going to revoice this opinion because it's one I will hold forever. I'm tired of seeing the Skywalkers. Yeah, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of them. Which is why I was hoping Ryan Johnson's like his little side thing was going to go on because I think that what he did in The Last Jedi, which I will still fight for that movie. We both defend that movie. Yeah, Some Nobodies is on record as being pro-Last Jedi. Some Nobodies is hella pro-Last Jedi. Uh, But what he did in that movie was he showed that you don't need to be a Skywalker lineage to have the force or to have a story so um but yeah so get we're gonna get off of star wars stuff until before somebody starts yelling at us again uh but speaking of ryan johnson though did you happen to hear the news about his deal with netflix oh yeah he 469 million dollars for a uh a sequel to knives out which they did the math and ryan johnson his partner ram bergen who's the guy who heads up t street and daniel craig are going to make about a hundred million dollars each on this deal that is insane but i will say that Having Ryan Johnson kind of recreate that murder mystery style, I think was very refreshing when we got nothing but blockbusters and crazy movies for so long. Yeah. Do you think that And now we're going to turn it into another franchise like John Wick, where it's just the same thing over and over again, but slightly worse each time. You think so? You you think the sequel is going to be worse? (laughs) No, I think it's going to be good. It's just, I don't know how long you can go on that. Like, if they do a series of murder mysteries with that character, cool. But part of that was, I don't know. I I like Ryan Johnson a lot as a filmmaker. I think Looper is his weakest movie, and I think that's not very weak. Yeah, I agree. Um, But I'm hesitant to say, like, I'm just hesitant to say that more sequels are going to be good. Yeah, but I, I I do like that if you're going to do a sequel, don't give me something that I know it's how it's going to be. You know, yes. like a murder mystery can, almost cannot follow the same formula that an Iron Man can follow. And when you yeah. watch Marvel, when you watch Marvel movies, they all start feeling the same. Like you you know that the Russos yeah. directed uh, Endgame and Infinity War, but for the most part, they all feel the same. You know, so like th- there's not a whole lot of difference in them. Even though oh, Ryan yeah. Johnson will do the sequel, I feel that it's going to feel different. And that's by design, yeah. Like Marvel, yeah. at least, is by design. Best thing DC can do is let them all be loosely connected and very stylistically distinct. That's the yeah. best thing DC can do right now. 
And I think it's a smart thing to do because if, if, if you think about it, when it comes to comic book movies, if you walk into a comic book store, there is not one Batman. There is not one Iron Man. There's like three to ten of every single comic. So why have just such a linear version of what a character can be? It's, it's boring. Anyway. Okay. So what we normally do now is normally Dylan reads a text message of a random idea that I have shot to him throughout the week. And then we kind of evolve that thing. But what we decided to do was to change up how this show works a little bit to kind of fit our core idea of what we were trying to do. What we were trying to do with Talking Upstream was to uh, have creatives on to create something brand new and then work it all the way down to a finished product. What we ended up doing because we met so many cool creatives and met so many great podcasters is that we kind of just kept creating things and creating things and creating things. We got to a point where we stopped working them down to a finished product, which is why we thought up Twitching Upstream. And it was going to be our chance to work on another project and to work it all down to something completed. We also got off the rails there because we also still love creating content with people that you know are our friends that also have great ideas. <laughs> so what we decided to do was to kind of change this up a little bit to get back to what we we're trying to do and to start working in a more multi-episode fashion where we're going to work on the same story for a couple episodes, get it down to a script, and then have a script reading of sorts. So we want to take an, an idea that we came up with in Talking Upstream with a very cool creative. And if you haven't watched our last episode with uh, Sasha Hardy, it was absolutely amazing. She, Tasha. Tasha. That's what I said. Uh, Tasha Hardy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> go, go ahead. I'm pretty sure that's exactly it's, what that I That is what you said. I was just repeating you. No, yeah, you're right. I, whatever. Uh, but yeah, with Tasha Hardy, uh, she was uh, awesome. Had a great time with her. Um, but yeah, so we want to take those ideas, work them down, and kind of show people the way that we would work something down into a script. And then having some of our podcast friends and some of our, you know, our Some Nobody staff come on and have like a big script reading and we kind of work through a story like that. Because uh, Dylan is a, is a phenomenal writer and the problem with just creating is you don't really get to see how great of a writer he is. So I think this will also highlight that uh, okay no yeah no you're right you're right i'm 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 great let's go he he is a very very good I am, writer i am a i am a very writer yes hey you're he, <laughs> hey the first script you wrote is being made into a movie so that's, that's true that's all I'm going to say. Okay, so the way this is going to work is we kind of are starting to work this out into a four-episode uh, uh, structure where episode one, we're going to work on the story summary and just making sure that the story idea linearly works as just a story idea. Then the second couple episodes, we're going to work on taking that story, putting it into beats, which is how we would normally break it down, and then breaking those those beats down into scenes. And then we're also going to speckle that in with some dialogue and make sure that our character development is getting done as well, which is once again, how we would do it off screen. The problem is we just stopped doing this for some reason. Uh, and then the last episode is going to be refinement, making sure we're putting the right amount of structure into it, making sure that all the characters are well thought out, making sure that each little part is, is, is uh, you know, well thought over and combed over thoroughly. And then the final episode, we're like I said, we're going to have a script reading. I think that's going to be really cool yeah. and something very, very interesting. So um, if you guys like that idea and you watch this show, let us know what you think. Um, but I'm going to let Dylan uh, let us know what story we're going to work on and kind of go over the brief summary of what we did on Talking Upstream. Yeah. So when we had this idea, I was thinking back on what ideas I would want to 
develop further. And recently, due to various uh, external events, I had to do a rerun of an episode on Twitching Upstream that we did toward closer to the beginning of the show, which was a story idea called Phantom Limb. Uh, and I'm going to do that now. Hello. Yes, this is, uh, this is a Google Doc, which we're going to use to develop this idea a little further. Um, I don't know if you can read this, but regardless, I'm going to go through. Uh, Phantom Limb, in short, was the story of a doctor who, through a series of unfortunate events, was kidnapped by a criminal gang and kept hostage. Now, what happens is that eventually he's pulled into a surgical theater and presented with a man who's lost in a hand. And he's told, you need to replace this hand. Oh, right on. Well, thank you, Jason. I appreciate uh, yes. checking in on that. Yeah, oh, that's why, we, good, that's why we have the audience engagement. But um, he is presented with a box, like a, a really ornate black wood box. And they open it up and there's like a twitching demon hand in there. And they say, you need to reattach this to this man's stump. And he goes... He eventually refuses. He has to do it eventually because they threaten his family. He tries to escape. The gang is like part of this supernatural crime turf war going on in Cincinnati, Ohio. Don't remember why it was Cincinnati. I think we just were tired of setting things in New York or Los Angeles. <laughs> or West Des Moines. Or West Des Moines. You know, <laughs> it's fine. Um, and throughout a series of things, he makes an acquaintance with a young enforcer named Chaz. Uh, who he does more and more surgeries on. Eventually, he has to help Chaz and save his life. And ultimately, Chaz helps him escape, takes over the gang, is like, all right, you did good work for us. And then, of course, we launch into the, ooh, mm, okay, if you say so, Jason. Um, eventually, he, <laughs> you know, we reveal that there's this big supernatural gang war going on, and the angels show up, and they're like, we'll be watching you. And then it ends and that's kind of where we had where we left off with a story summary um so what i think zach and i want to do now we've got a few different notes down here i think what we want to do is really flesh this out and really get a like really strong divisible story done based on this and the idea was to have as we said multiple episode things kind of focusing on um yeah of course we're talking about ohio michael <laughs> i'm a, uh, yeah i grew up there it's not great it's yeah. fine it's not great um so what we want to do is really develop this into a really strong story that we can kind of just script out later we wanted to divide this into kind of clean cut episodes i don't know if it's going to be so clean but we're going to do our absolute damnedest to keep this at least in sequence so for the next this week and probably the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about Phantom Limb. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yep. And then obviously the idea is to get it into roughly a forty-minute script uh, that we can, you know, just uh, chat about and yeah. read out loud with cool voices, maybe and yeah. costumes, depending. Be okay. Cool. So <laughs> now, because we know this is a forty-minute project, roughly, um, would you take what we have here? and find arcs in there and try to build that down or would you take already what we have and just start forming scenes i think we take what we have already start forming scenes um so there is a method to writing that has been really popular online called the snowflake method where you have a central thing and you branch off into ideas and each of those branches off and you fill in the gaps so i think what we do now is kind of fill the gaps in in this story 
And we do that just kind of like we go through these plot points that we have written down here and we just see like, is there something we see happening at this point in the story that needs to happen like at the start? Something like that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. No, that's it. <coughs> no, I'm, I'm cool with that. Sorry, I thought I muted the thing real fast. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, if we have those story beats, so obviously we have to do a little bit of world building. We have to do a little bit of character building also to understand who these people are. So we got to find out who this doctor is at the beginning and uh, somehow introduce this demonology world or this uh, other world. So what would be a good way to open up this story um to kind of show what this world is now good well he's a uh, so let's let's nail in who this main character is he's a doctor we know he has a family because they get threatened later and he needs some sort of a he needs a reason to escape beyond just i want to go back to my job or i don't want to be here it's a stronger pull if he of if he has a family he needs to get back to sure so obviously kidnapping is something that can always be threatened or uh, the, the, the family itself can be threatened. So yeah. do doctor, uh, what's, what's the doctor's name? Uh, doctor. So main, main <laughs> character. Pro Love it. Protagonist. Doctor. Pro oh, yuck. We can, Whatever. we can always, we can always, yeah. we can always go back in just control F replace MC with main character with name. I don't even know what you're saying. Okay, so he also has a family, which means he's uh, he's married, right? Yeah, uh, and has kids. So yeah, that's that's not that big of a deal. Does, um, does he have a private practice? He has he, his own firm. He probably does, or works with a partner. I think that if maybe he works with a, somebody else, that might give him a really good. Uh, what's up? If he is kidnapped specifically to reattach limbs, then he's a surgeon. Oh, okay. Do surgeons not work together? No, they do. Oh, it's okay. just that, that that gives us a very specific environment and group of people we can introduce while we are introducing this guy. Yeah, true. Okay. So, Dr. Surgeon. Yeah. He, uh, I, I think that it would, it, it could be something story-wise if he has like a couple people that he works together. Like yeah. I just had, I just had spine surgery in the place I went and got the surgery. There was like 10 dudes that all, you know, had that same practice. So if it was like a smaller practice. I, I like, I like the idea that he's a vet. If he worked in combat med situation, that would help explain why later on he keeps cool under pressure. Yeah. I don't mind that. That's cool. Oh, I thought he meant like a veterinarian. Oh, does he mean a veterinarian? I don't, I don't know. know. I assumed he meant. I assumed he meant army, like military veteran. I honestly read it as a vet. I I don't think he's a vet because I don't think a demon gang would kidnap a veterinarian to re to surgically attach uh, demon limbs to their gangsters. That's the thing. Uh, maybe. I mean, it's definitely a move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, either one still works. Uh, Here's the the trope the trope about having a vet a veterinarian as your doctor tends to come about because in the post apocalypse veterinarians aren't in hospitals when the world ends, so they tend to survive better. Oh, okay. Well, that that's makes that's at least okay. where I think it comes from. So I think yeah. having I think giving him an army vet background makes him 
he's more it's more believable that he would stay cool in the situation we put him in later. Yeah, cool. All right, I'm into that. Uh, and then maybe he, you know, I I had this weird idea that maybe like the the people that are doing this uh, gave him a lot of money to do it when he found out what he actually was doing. Um, they wanted more money back. Like they kind of charged him interest, uh, which that's why they're looking for him. Or that's why like, there's a little bit of pressure on him. Who, who, who gives him money? Like the bad, the bad people, whoever is trying to force him to, to do this limb procedure. Yeah. Right. They pay him money. Say so like, look, we'll give you a hundred thousand dollars to do the surgery. And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. I'll meet you there next Thursday. And when he gets there, they go here, put this phantom, or just limb, you know, from a demon on air. I like the idea that at initially they approach him with money or something. Yeah. They're like, we can give you money and power. And he's like, I've seen what happens to people in power. They send people like me over yeah. and money. I make enough money. My family's fine. So I don't need it. Then they kidnap him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's offered a bunch of money and power by the demon gang to yeah. become their private limb attacher. He turns them down because he's doing it for the good of people. Cool. Yeah. Now, are they? How do? How does this gang get these demon parts? Are they? Are they kidnapping demons and separating them from their parts to put them on gang members? I don't. I don't think we need to know <laughs> because the doctor doesn't know. Yeah. Or the surgeon doesn't know. So I don't think we need to necessarily know, at least in this one, if we expand it to a sequel or something, we can get into that. I think we could just make reference to like, maybe they have references to some sort of ritual. It's like, you know, where do you, maybe he asks at some point, it's like, where do you get these? And they're like, it doesn't have a name or something like, you know, they give him a cryptic answer. Yeah. And they're getting them from Shiv. <laughs> yeah we'll tie it in. I don't know. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay. So um, now what, what, Who's this person that this gang needs the doctor to work on? Is that a big deal? Well, the very first one, we had it set up in the original summary that it's this guy named Chaz. He's an enforcer. He's probably been in the gang world for a while. Commonplace, well, common enough that there are gangs in Cincinnati going to war with demon limbs. So it's, you know, to the people who are in this business, it's not alien. Yeah. But obviously, I think the doctor has a real hard. The surgeon has a really hard time coming to terms with the fact that not only are demons real, angels are real, werewolves are real, whatever is real, and they're all having fights in the streets in Cincinnati. Oh, okay. So the doctor's finding out about <laughs> all the supernatural stuff all at once. I think so. I think it's like he initially learns their gang, their demon gang. So then, and this, then this, he learns that like there's they're fighting another. It's like how how do you not run things if you are using demon, if you're using like stuff like this, like magic and they go, I mean, we're not the only ones. And then we kind of slow reveal it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So for some reason, the gang needs this non demonic doctor, right? So I would say that this person, Chaz, what if you kidnapped a kid and that's the motivation to get them back or they install a chip into the family and he doesn't, do what he asked they will all die yeah we, um well we have a plot point later on in the summary where they show him a, like you know that grainy far off picture of his family his kids and his wife and they're like help us out or they're going to actually die they're not going to disappear we'll actually kill them so that's i think the fact that they just have like physical surveillance on his family is probably enough to 
make him do this. Yeah. Now, is is the reason they need this specific doctor? Is it time sensitive? <laughs> because you would think if you're a gang and, and you're not telling this doctor a lot, uh, you would probably have your own doctor, or your own gang person. Uh, so maybe they need this guy. Maybe their last one died in like a raid and he's the premier limb reattachment reimplantation surgeon in Cincinnati. And they're like, he's good. We'll take him." So like this, this person who needs the surgery, uh, they get taken down next to like a billboard for number one surgeon. And they're like, "Ah, let's get that guy. Something like that. Yeah. Like they, you know, it's like, how did you find me? And it's like, well, I mean, you're top, you're one of the top rated rim limb reimplantation doctors in the country. It's, and you have yeah. to be here. Bad so, timing, wrong place, wrong time, buddy. Now, the person that he's doing the surgery on, uh, they're obviously a big deal to the gang, right? Chaz? Yeah, I think. Why not? Yeah. Okay. And so he's like an enforcer. Hello, Red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Red, I'm so glad you're here. But yeah, I, I love the body parts coming from Shiv, and they're, they're, it's like a side yeah. hustle for somebody else. Um, now... Okay, so Chaz, we, we got to kind of work him up a little bit. Well, I do like the I, I do kind of like the idea that some of them are like, we were told that the seek the the person we need is on our doorstep or something like that. So okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, I like I, they have some metaphysical reason where they're like, it's meant to be you. And he yeah. goes, what does that mean? And they're just like, we don't question it. That's what the snake guts said. Yeah. And the guy's like, look, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm kind of an expensive surgeon. I have like, uh, my schedule's pretty booked and they just like throw like a hundred thousand dollars in cash on the table and they go, we don't care about money. Let's do this. They don't throw it on the table. They're, they like show that they have the ability to transfer that money to his family. And he's oh. like, why don't you just give it to me? And they're like, you're legally dead, man. We, d we got like, you're with us now. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. I'm, that's crazy. I'm into that. Yeah. Um, so, oh, okay. Let's, now let's do some story sequence stuff. Yeah. Just because, so I think we meet the surgeon and his family. He works in a big hospital and limb replantation. That's apparently what the procedure's called. Yeah. We yeah. see him do a really hard transplant or something. You know, like we see, we see him be competent. We see why he's the main guy. He's yeah. a vet. Maybe he has a piece on the newspaper on him in the local press or something national okay. press. Um, he's offered a bunch of money and power by the demon gang, like by a private, you know, someone approaches him on the street and he's, he turns them down cause he's doing it for the good of people. And also he doesn't do private consultations. Also it's shady to approach a guy to do private surgery for you. So that <laughs> kind of turns him off, you know? Yeah. Um, so, what do you think? I think we get him kidnapped really early on. Yeah. Yeah. It happens pretty fast. Yeah. So what do you see as like the catalyst for this kind of like kidnapping? I think that the, the person who Chaz, they read, you are really close to a previous idea we've actually done. Uh, <laughs> uh, possession is nine tenths of the law. Possession is nine tenths of the law. Which, Jamie, yep. if you're still in the chat, that is that is just too good. Um, yeah, yeah. Deadbeat is one of the coolest ideas. Uh, thank you, Jamie. Um, we should be doing Deadbeat, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, too we'll late. Get there. Too late. We're yeah. doing Phantom Limb. That's that's um, the month. Of, that's the month of October. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. 
Yeah, Chaz, Chaz has to be a big deal, I think. I think there needs to be something that uh, makes them need this doctor right away, which once they is, say... Is he the gang leader's adopted son? Like, he's that kid they got in the street when a raid went wrong, and the guy raised him as his own? <laughs> oh, like, we're doing, like, mad troops in this thing. I mean... Yeah, you might we, as well. We're uh, having... We're having... This is primarily... I think we're primarily kind of doing this to have fun. Like... The story is not, it's not exactly unconventional. What if it's like the crime boss's son's like bodyguard, who's also like his partner or something? Yeah, sure. It it needs to be just like a big deal, I think, Uh, for whatever whatever it is. It's it's a big, Chaz is a big deal. And the the person who wants Chaz fixed has clout. And uh, they're like, get me that guy right now. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So then they take him. But first, we need to figure out how and when he's kidnapped. That's like we've got the intro. We've got the establishing of the stakes. Kind we've we've got the intro. We've got the the underworld reaching out to him. Now we need the underworld to take him. What does that look like? Do we? Is he is he kidnapped in a parking garage? Is he out with his family and he never comes back from like the bathroom at the restaurant? I I kind of see it as almost the same scene. Like they do not leave him once they approach him and they offer like money or whatever. I think that like they take him then. Like, okay. They're, they're not leaving without him. Cool. Um. And where is he when he's taken? He's like, uh, he's at work. He's at work. He's not yeah. like indulging in a vice or something where it would be suspicious if he went missing. Ooh, I was thinking the way they take him might be suspicious, but I also like no because I want him to be it's, like a deep. It's just a, a stethoscope on the ground, and the little dish is just rattling before it lands. Oh, love it! <laughs> you see the stethoscope, and a little bit of earwax falls off the. the... <laughs> uh, no, I think that this the surgeon <laughs> should be like a good person. Uh, he he's a good family person, so maybe nothing bad. But maybe the people who like when they take him out they make it seem like he's getting into shady stuff so that the surgeon's office thinks that he's into some bad junk. Yeah. The gangsters leave some false evidence behind pointing to some shady practices by the surgeon. Yeah. His family worries about him. The cops say they'll try to find him, but odds it lower exponentially yeah but, after but that they, first few hours and i do like i do like them just like forcing money onto the family like just somehow depositing like a hundred thousand dollars into the family's account they i think they should do that after that first surgery like not initially so that they can like have him confirmed dead or something and then once he might have like doctors don't have pensions do they I don't know. Once he has reti- once he has like life insurance and they'll pay out life insurance, they're like, this is more than our life insurance policy was, or something like that. Mm, okay. I guess Maybe. that's a good way of that's a good way of laundering money, I guess. <laughs> like or, make it- I mean maybe so what if the gang is not initially going to give money to his family at all, but he he then agrees where he's like, You take care of my family and I'll do your dirty work for you. And that's what? kind of like when they compromise to have him stop trying to escape and wasting their time, he's like Find a way to get them money to take care of them, and I'll do whatever you need me to do, but don't you leave my family defenseless because of this. Well, is there something in the idea of 
say uh, the the surgeon's office thinks that the surgeon now is a bad guy. And if all of a sudden a bunch of money shows up in the family's account, that would make the family not initially go to the cops because it'd be like, it would look suspicious, right? I was kind of thinking that'd be like a motivating factor. I don't think they want anybody to question where this guy, I mean, hell, what if they just make a fake body? What if they have like some sort of magic ritual and they're just like, they show him and they're like, this is foot. This is from your funeral. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm not dead. They'll know it's not me. And it's like, we had a, we had a doppelganger summoned. Like they use a bunch of magic terminology that, and they're like, we, we, uh, we summoned a doppelganger. So effectively you are legally dead with a body. They had an open casket. Oh, okay. Wait. So, okay. So the, the surgeon lives in a world where legit magic is real yeah. and he does not know about any of it. Yeah. All right. That's cool. Uh, okay. So now they stole the surgeon and they need him to perform. What would be something that is life threatening, but would also like, if you get like your leg cut off or something, right. That would be like, it, it needs to simultaneously be like, fatal or like near fatal while also like unless they they pull him into the surgeon operating room like they knew that they were going to have guys out on the job so they secured him while they were out on the job in case any of them got hurt hmm. Chaz got hurt on that initial job he got his arm chopped off or something and they're okay, like so- <laughs> go for it uh so maybe it's like Okay, so maybe he just gets hurt and he's going to die. And then they're like, well, we, you know, we could do like, it wasn't so much that they were going to do a limb like forcibly on him. It's like, he's going to die if he doesn't get this done. Chess. So, yeah. 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 How, you, you like that? I like it. Um, okay, cool. And it'll be like, he they pull him into like he wakes up in a room like he's you know black sack stuff like that we show the family reacting to his missing it's a few days later it's like he's been gone since he went to work that day and they're like we're still looking but chances drop exponentially every 24 hours after that first and so we see them react to it we go to the surgeon he's in like a like a blank room it's got like a bed and nothing else and it's clear he's been there for a few days and then they come to get him and they're like get your scrubs on <clears throat> and they take him to like, what looks like an operating theater, like a, a surgery room. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, he's initially like, I'm not going to do anything for you. And they're like, well, if you don't, he's going to die. And that's on you. And he goes, ah, curse my Hippocratic oath. Yeah. So he does. Cause he's a good person. Yeah. And they pull him into the room where they explain like, you know, it was a job that went bad. This is the crime boss's son's bodyguard and crime partner, maybe life partner. Who knows? He is missing his arm from the elbow down and it's like badly bent. It's wrapped up in like a shirt and it's like bleeding through. It's bad. He's really pale, but he's still breathing. And he's like, I can't save this. Like this, not in this facility. You can't, what do you want me to do? Just turn a cat. Like, and they're like, no, you're going to reattach this. And they bring out like a lacquered black wooden box banded in like iron. And he's like, what the hell is that? They open it up and there's like a twitching demon arm from the elbow up. And he's like, and he, he shies away. He like, you know, reacts horrified to it because it's a twitching limb. And then he does it because eventually they're like, you know, they have to be like, listen, 
you need to reattach this. He goes, I'm not touching that thing. I don't know what that is. And they go, if you don't reattach this to his arm, he dies and that's on you. And he goes, I guess that's a compelling, I guess that's a compelling plot or I guess that's a compelling reason. Oh, did my window just minimize? Oh, oh, whoops. Hold up. Here we go. There we go. Okay. <laughs> does that, does that kind of that work? Yeah, I think that's, um, I do like the idea that he eventually oh. somehow like curses his Hippocratic oath. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess what we need to know now is like what happens afterwards because so it, it would make sense that like say that for some reason he's like the first surgeon to be able to perform like a demonic uh, attaching or something like that. Uh, and, they're like, and they're like, we, we need you. <laughs> he's the first one to do it on this scale. Like, yeah, okay. maybe we see like, maybe we see some people with like, maybe he's got, maybe they've got horns grafted to their forehead or something, or like, you know, something like that, like minor cosmetic surgery where their eyes are yellow so they can see in the dark. And they're like, you're the first person who successfully saved someone by, uh, arcano plantation or something like that. And he goes, yeah. what are you talking about? And they, then we get the little bit of like, you know, dipping your feet in the water. So do you think that this uh like a demonic limb attachment onto a human has been done before? I think so, but I think maybe this is the first time they've done it without it causing like really bad side effects. So or like yeah. So now yeah. they're going so now they're going to want the doctor to do this more often so that their gang is stronger, right? Yeah. And even eventually what it was was um they get him to do it because it helps them dominate the underworld even more. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So, and the doctor is going to want to go back to his home, which the people are not going to want that to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, so we need to find a way to, I guess, keep him there. Um, indeterminately you know without um, him being upset so no what we had going on was um they put him in a room with a balcony overlooking the city mm -hmm. and so he tries to climb out and he like does the does the sheet bed sheet rope and he throws it over and he climbs down and he hops onto the next balcony down and it's the exact same room because his room oh. is they have a yeah. mat. They have a mat. They have a spell on his room that prevents him from being able to physically escape. So he cool. eventually is just like, "I don't want to." Can you just let me go? And then they, they, you know, then they're like, "Yeah, well, you know, no, because you are dead in the outside world." Yeah, and they go, "Look, just name your salary. We'll pay you whatever you want." And yeah. the guy's like, I, "No, I just, I, I just want to just go home." And he's like, "Name your price," and he's like. No, <laughs> no, I'm not doing that again. Yeah, um, uh, but I like I like at some point if him saying like a ridiculous number and then being like, "Cool, there," and then they show the bank account of his family going up yeah. like five five million. <laughs> yeah. Um. So at this point in the story, they put him in a nicer room, uh, with the implication that he is going to be their personal soul, uh, personal surgeon. Um. He tries to escape, mm -hmm. but magic on the room prevents him from doing that. 
Um, does he have like? I think we I think we do this pretty intently, where like he tries to escape multiple times and we just bring him back multiple times. Yeah, all, all of his escape efforts do not work. Eventually, they start getting fed up with him. Um, and then, does he have dinner with the crime boss? No. Or the son. He, one of our plot points originally was that he removes a curse from the crime boss. The crime boss gets hexed or something. And they're like, you need to remove this. And he goes, remove what? And they're like, so-and-so used a... Somehow they got a vial of dirt from his father's grave and something else that's really weird. And they put a curse on the crime boss and you need to get that out of there. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? And they're like, it's going to be located in his abdomen. And they give him some weird direction. So he goes in and he removes like, he's just like a black stone or a piece of petrified wood. And he's like, what is going on? And the crime boss immediately wakes up and he seems to be immediately getting better. And he goes, Join me for dinner tonight. <clears throat> I'll be okay by... And he's like, you're in no condition. I just did a cursectomy. And it's like, <clears throat> I'll be okay. That's how this works. I'll fill you in over dinner or something like that. <laughs> and that's how we get the info into like kind of how the world works. Yeah, okay. I could either see that or I could see you know him like rescuing the sun in just like a random act of kindness. But yeah, either way, uh, how would he know to, what, okay. Why would he be able to remove this curse? Uh, is he special? Maybe he is. Maybe he's, or does he maybe, have, maybe he's special he a, or maybe it's just that like nobody in the crime gang is a skilled surgeon. And it's like, you need to know where, but you also need to know how. Okay. So he does it under direction of like, Maybe they have like a field medic. Like they have someone who like knows kind of how to keep the body going under bad circumstances, but not someone who really knows what they're doing. Yeah. So he kind of like gets into this partnership with like a semi demonic nurse, maybe a male nurse or a, you know, female nurse or whatever. Yeah, sure. Um, and that's kind of like, that's kind of their window character into this world. Okay. Yeah. I'm into that. Um, so, how long how long of a story are we at here? Uh I mean we've got a fair amount of stuff going on right now. Um I mean what 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 happens to our doctor? Does he just stay there? He winds up escaping due to Chaz's help at the end when Chaz takes over. Okay, cool. And then Chaz is like we might need your help in the future and he goes no. Please don't kidnap me again. And Chaz goes, I think we can give you this one time. Yeah, cool. Or something like that. Um, yeah, I'm in, I'm in Or that. maybe maybe it's just under maybe under the surgeon's like tutelage, their own demon nurse like knows what they're doing. Hmm. Uh I mean I, I like I like them having this doctor in their back pocket. I think that's kind of cool. Um but, yeah, they're like We'll fix your obituary so you can go back to work, but we might need you to do the occasional odd job for us. And he goes, "Don't kidnap me again. I'm not into that." Yeah. And then the end of the the end of it is like some character he had kind of met, revealing it's like, and remember, someone's always watching, and like the uh, the light on the porch or something is positioned just right above their head, 
then yeah. you're like, wait a minute, is he? And then you know they do the Batman thing where they turn around and they're gone. So how do we be get that corny? But <laughs> yeah, I, I hope not. Uh, but <laughs> how do we get from the conversation with uh, the crime boss to Chaz breaking him out? Uh, let's see. We see him do a number of surgeries. Um, Chaz starts to become even more of a, like a power, like a, like a, like a force of power in the gang. Um, <clears throat> he does a few, like not ride alongs, but there's like a raid on a rival gang's place. And they're like, we might need you in the field. And he goes, what are you talking about? So he tries to do a field escape. And we could have a little bit of time where he does get away from him. And they're like, and then they hunt him down. They're like, we have a dowsing charm on you. We know exactly where you are at all times. <laughs> like you can't really get away from us. And they pull him back in. And then Chaz is like, you know, when I was, you know, I, my family died in one of these raids. And that's how I got brought into this family. And he's like, yeah, I kind of, I know what it's like to want to go see them again. It's like, yeah, help me out. And I'll help you out because you kept me alive all this time. And he, doc, the surgeon's like, okay, if are we cool? Well, yeah. And, and so then eventually Chaz is the instrument of his liberation. Cool. Um, okay. So the characters that we have in this so far, we have the doctor and the family, whatever they are. We have Chaz and, uh, the crime boss, yeah. right? And then we have the crime boss's son, if we decide to stick with that storyline. Uh, and then we have some nurse, right? Yeah. And I think that's pretty good for character development or for, for character list outside yeah. of like the rando. Um, the one-liners. You know, yeah, the one-liners, yeah. So do you think that this story like can kind of fulfill about a 40 minute conversation. Yeah. Oh, right on. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. So what 40 minutes, 40 minutes isn't going to be the hard part. Keeping it to 40 minutes for a script, I think might be the difficult part because oh, okay. depending on how much we do, we're probably going to resort to not like sketching full scenes or anything. A lot of the action and stuff is probably going to be summary, which is yeah. fine. All right, cool. So what do you want to work on now while we're still fitting in this, the story structure? Uh, I mean, we might as well just kind of go as far as we can on this thing. Yeah. Um, I like the idea that he somehow curses his Hippocratic oath. Yeah. That's funny. Um, I don't know how though. Yeah. Like is his uh, Hippocratic oath kind of what allows him? Maybe that's why he's special. Maybe his Hippocratic oath means that he cannot do harm to people, which is why his surgeries are always successful. He's one of the few people that takes that oath seriously. And yeah. he actually like caused a magical charm because of maybe like some sort of lineage that he didn't know he had. Yeah. And that, that'll be revealed like as a throwaway line towards the end or something. Yeah. It's like the angel characters, like, you took an oath and you follow it despite your best efforts. Yeah. You know, you are one tenth demon. <laughs> you have the power of summoning oaths. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he needs to buy all the eggs in a grocery store to incubate them in his basement so they can live free. I don't, I don't follow, but that's okay. I mean, I'm cool with it. 
I just don't know where that would fit. Is that for us? Yes. <laughs> All right, he needs to buy all the eggs in a grocery store to incubate them in his basement so they can live free. The chickens? Okay. Yes, I, I think that I think what he's trying to say is that he can't do harm, so like he can't allow harm to go. Oh, so no harm can be done even I, if he I, I think what we're gonna go for is that when he's engaging in medical practices, his results do not end up harming people. Okay, cool. Which is why we find out that he is the best surgeon, because he is literally unable to break his oath until he renounces it. Which I I really like that as the explanation for why he's the guy to do this. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, I don't know how we're going to show that the the gang knows that or can figure that out. Oh, well, I guess I guess Jamie's comment uh, about there being like yeah. a bit of a mystic or something. Yeah. Um. There, there's a scene where they take him to see the mystic um, to determine his future and frustratingly vague. Yeah. Um, what, is, what, what in general does the mystic say, though, just so when we start kind of plotting this out? Um, maybe it's something about being like uh, a giant human, you know, uh, like referring to the billboard but not getting that like it's just a face of 40 feet tall and you're like what that doesn't even make any sense um you know something like that like really referring to uh towering over a city uh you know that kind of stuff where it's like oh this is a billboard oh, okay i thought this was like actually a human a uh, man of giant stature over the city promising <laughs> relief or something like that promising yeah oh Oh, always, always stares south, uh, promising. Yeah. Promises of relief. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's cool. Yeah. Vague, vague nonsense. Prophecy is honestly pretty easy to write in the moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. <laughs> um, so we have the surgeon doing a number of surgeries to catch hints of a supernatural underworld. They take him to a mystic. Uh, the mystic kind of confirms that he is good at this. They take him on a ride along. And this is where we introduce um, the other gangs in the city. Yeah. The werewolves. Witch gangs. Which is uh, the demons hint at like someone's, you know, some some sort of like the watchers. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, at this point, you might as well save Chaz again. Um yeah, we have, sure. We have him save Chaz, I think, three times. He saves him once with the hand. Yep. He saves him twice with like uh maybe he gets shot by some he gets shot by a bullet that has anti like holy water on it or something like that. Okay. And Chaz is what, like a vampire or something? No, he just has demon parts on him now. So he's Oh, now the holy water works. Okay, gotcha. He's shot by a demon water uh, holy water bullet. Um Then let's see. Honestly, let's see. No, he's not. Yeah, he needs a he needs a demon blood transfusion. Oh, okay, That's, cool. That was one of the original plot points. He needs a demon blood transfusion, which has never been done before. Yeah, which boosts his power level to the point where he can start taking people on by himself. 
Yeah, and then I guess we got to do that that one trope where like Chas is going to die in a place where the doctor could get free, but instead of going free, he chooses to save the doctor, even though his Hippocratic oath has already been broken, although nobody knew that because they're like, You only did that because your Hippocratic oath, and he's like, No. Does he I break curse. His, he breaks his oath. Well, I, I think that he I mean, I cursing his oath is funny. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um but he still chooses to be good. I, I don't chooses know. Chooses to save Chaz instead of escaping. Right, because if he and saves then, him from his own heart, then that's better than saving him because he's magically obligated. Yeah. Then Chaz returns a favor by helping him escape. Yeah. Because the dang nurse knows enough to do the operations by himself. But also now they build up trust with the doctor and he'll probably help them out yeah. because like most likely the gang leader died. Chaz is, you know, the son who's dating Chaz is uh, in charge now. So yeah. it's a little more inclusive of a gang, a little bit more nicer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> we need a reason for Chaz to like try and take over though. Is he just power hungry? Um, I think that either the dad is, uh, not nice to the son, um, or is like, I think that it's, it's a combination of wanting to be in power, but also wanting the, the, the current boss to be out of power because he's a real bad guy and not just like a little bad guy. Give me just a second. I'm rearranging just a little bit here. Okay. Sorry, uh, repeat the last part of that again. Um, I was thinking it was mostly because Chaz wants power, but also, and probably equally, uh, the crime boss is not, uh, he's like a very bad person. He's, we see him sacrifice people in raids. Yeah, like kids. We see him sacrifice, like, we see him pick up, like, recruits, new kids, like, fresh out of, like, high school or stuff. We yeah. see him sacrifice kids for his own ambition. Or and, they were or they were testing uh, different surgeries on yeah. kids. Yeah. You know, because of stem cells and whatnot. Jesse's Magical. Family. Also, the gang boss was having his own people do experimental surgeries on recruits yeah then Chaz, with the help of the surgeon and some loyal or and some of his buddies takes over the gang in an action scene promises the surgeon his freedom but eventually they might need the occasional job done the surgeon goes goes Back to his family, it's declared an incorrect death. I don't know. Somehow, yeah, he starts the process of getting his life back in order. And, no, I think that's great. And we see he's then visited by someone who he thinks is tied to the demon gang, but it's a guy who works for the angels who says... Don't worry, someone's always watching, or something like something like that. Which oh, weird. that's really that's really close shit, shit. That's really close to Deadbeat, and I want to do yeah. that in Deadbeat. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a guy who works for the Angels, who 
damn, this is really cl- that 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 ending's really close to Michael and Deadbeat. Yeah, we don't need that last part where like the opposite side comes. I think we leave it with him being like he broke his oath, so he doesn't have to only do good, but he still chooses to do good. Um, and yeah, and he still helps his this people out. I think that's cool. Despite his For- oath being technically broken, do we see him cause harm, and that's how we know his oath is gone, or does he just say it is? No, he just says it is. We don't know that. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to show him. No. Like being. But I. But I think there needs to be a sad person. Yeah. Right. But if he says that, if he saves that Chaz character, and we don't know if he has the Hippocratic oath still intact or not, it might be a little more of a heartfelt moment. And he's still a good surgeon, despite the fact that he's not magically obligated to be one. Yeah. Cool. All, All right. right. Hey, everyone, that's been our time. Uh, I really hope you like how we're changing this format up a little bit. Please let us know. Send us some yeah. comments. Uh, keep sending us messages. We we do love reading those. It's very cool. Uh, please like and subscribe. Smash all those buttons. Do all the cool stuff. Uh, obviously, what we're doing is uh, we're just hanging out and working on a project. And you just heard Dylan uh, take that uh, weird idea and turn it down to a story. Uh, if you want to check out this or any of other weird projects, you can always go to uh, somenobodies.com. And if you really really want to be our friend and help us make more and more things including a movie or a board game or a theme park based on a blade runner universe then head over to patreon.com backslash some nobodies uh some other people that we really really need to thank and not also need but definitely want to uh make manhattan from scene snobs great job dude you're building something very very cool we really appreciate it we're trying to help as much as we can uh so check out the rest of the shows on scene snobs a bunch of real cool nerdy goodness uh scott curtis from behind the bits an award-winning podcaster, an award-winning interviewer, a decent impressionist, uh, Sarah Tkachuk, Tanya Sheck. Uh, we have the listener app at the greatest podcast app on Instagram. Also, Jimmy Eden, the Eden Foundation with Chess Without Borders. Uh, they strive to bring chess communities to those who need it. Chess is a gift that lasts a lifetime. You can find all of our weird stuff like Silicon Angels, Talking Upstream, Podcast, Podcast, a Podcast Show, and they were on our website. We appreciate you. I've been Zach. He has been Dylan down there. You've been great. Thank you tune so in, much. Tune in next week for when we break this story into actual scenes. We're going to break this down. We're going to keep going on this. So Yeah, we're going to break it down. For an even deeper Phantom Limb story development. That's what Deep we're dives. doing now. We're diving cool. deeper. Is that it? Are we done? That's it, man. Yeah, wrap we're it up. Done. All right. Adios. Um,